We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Did someone tell you that was a secret passage? My brother used to do that. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in, uh, rather dark Halifax. Yeah, well, it's that time of year, I suppose, that time where things get a little dim, a little early, and we're gonna just have to deal with it for a couple of months, but the light will come back to us. It usually does. Usually. In any case. Um, here is what is going on, as I usually do, over at lowbiasgaming.net. Let me see, because I haven't been here in a little bit. Um, we still have a lot of Dragon Warrior 7. We have uh, 1, 2, 3, let's see. I said a lot, but we seem to have three episodes. <laughs> Um, we also have uh, the Low Bias Monthly for, I think it's November, pretty sure it is. Uh, so yeah, Low Bias Monthly for November is everyone does the same randomizer. And that randomizer ended up being Wario Land 3 and Jason with the first entry for that, um, for that Low Bias Monthly. There are six episodes available there. Uh, Scarlet brings us three new episodes of God of War Ascension and Jade with uh, new episodes for Panic Restaurant for the Low Bias Monthly for March 2019, which I don't remember what that is. Uh, I believe that might have been uh, Good Games with Bad Box Art or the other way around. Yeah, Good Games with Bad Box Art. And uh, also Mega Man 3 Revamp. Um... I don't know if this has a ROM hack, or if it's, um, yeah, I think it's a ROM hack. Anyway, I was there and I half don't know because I'm not very familiar with Mega Man. Uh, I'm also doing the um, Kirby's All-Star Legend streams that's still going on every Sunday as for as long as I can possibly maintain it. 365 days of the Super Nintendo with Shaq Fu Venom Spider-Man thing. Tactics over, uh, Tactics Ogre and Wing Commander being the latest titles. Rival Turf being the latest uh, soundtrack. Lots of nice stuff going on at LowBiasGaming.net. But now it is time for music here on Square Wave Symphony CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Listen local.
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by Hiroki Kikuta, and it is the title theme of today's game from the archives. There is one force in the universe that keeps a good that keeps good and evil in perfect balance. It is called the Tree of Mana, but a magic sword has tricked a young warrior into upsetting the balance, spreading evil throughout the land. Thus, the warrior must undertake a dangerous journey to find the seeds of the mana tree, which have been hidden for centuries. Only then can perfect harmony be restored. In this incredible adventure, things are not as they seem. It's a world turned upside down that you must help the warrior make right. And the only way to succeed is to solve the secret of mana. Which is the game from the archives. This week is an action game, action RPG game for the Super Nintendo, developed and published by Squaresoft and released in 1993. Um, pretty spiffy game. It's uh, one of Square's early works as far as uh, action RPGs, as far as I'm aware at the very least. Um, yeah, because usually their RPGs are, you know, the turn-based JRPG type of thing that you usually see, but this one you're just fighting things on the field and gaining experience that way and, you know, ranking up your skills, ranking up your uh, abilities and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, it was an interesting experience for all and um, one that I would recommend taking a look at if you are so interested. Uh, Jason, with 25 episodes of, um, actually it looks like a fan translation of the Japanese version. So kind of retranslated uh, into English, probably by Eon Genesis. They were the big ones doing the thing, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was them. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's what's going on. Check it out.
That was Wind Pearl with Insert Coin, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time now for the news of the weird. And as usual, I do not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these may not jive well with all audiences, but they are scanned for objectionable content. Uh, this segment is usually about 13-15 minutes long, so take that as you will. So our lead story for today is the entrepreneurial spirit. About a year ago, Les and Paula Ansi of Mossel Bay, South Africa, stumbled upon a novel idea for a new type of spirit, which they call Indlovu Jin, the Associated Press reports. During a safari, they, they learned that elephants eat a wide variety of, flute, of fruits and flowers, but digest less than a third of it. I don't like where this is going. As a consequence, in the elephant dung you get the most amazing variety of these botanicals, Liz Ansley said. Why don't we let the elephants do the hard work of collecting all these botanicals and we will make gin from it? Why indeed? They collect the dungs themselves by hand. <sighs> and described the gin's fl flavor as lovely, wooded, almost spicy, earthy. And Lovu means elephant in the Zulu language. Each bottle's label notes where the dung was gathered and when. Most people are very keen to actually taste it, Ansley said. A bottle sells for about $32. I can think of better places that I would want to, to spend $32. Many better places. Nice bottle of mead would be nice, honestly. But anyway, how about the fine points of the law? After losing in district court, convicted killer Benjamin Schreiber took unusual claim to the Iowa Court of Appeals but was shut down again on November 6th, according to the Washington Post. Schreiber, 66, was sentenced to a life term in 1997, but in March 2015, he suffered a medical emergency in his prison cell that caused doctors to have to restart his heart five times. Schreiber thus claimed he had briefly, quote, die, uh, died, and therefore he had served out his life sentence and should be released. The district judge didn't buy it though, saying that the filing proved he was still alive and the appeals court agreed, saying Schreiber is either alive, in which case he must remain in prison, or he is dead, in which case this appeal is moot. I mean, you can't blame the guy for trying. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know any other details of what happened there, but still. He tried, he failed, he's still in prison, so there you go. At least he tried. Higher education! A Dutch university now offers uh, students a turn in the purification grave. Lots of death symbolizing this uh, news here. A hole dug in the ground where students can lie down and reflect upon their lives for up to three hours. The student chaplaincy at Radbud University initially offered the experience in 2009 as a temporary experiment, but due to increased demand, it's back this year, according to Vice. 
students are not allowed to bring their phones or a book with them into the grave. You can see it as a special place of meditation. Uh, below you the earth, above you the sky, the university website explains. You will then automatically notice what is going through your mind. If you are skittish about entering this grave, you can sit on the bench nearby. Radbit also offers a final season crying room and nap pods. Well, this is kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting thing here. It's like th this institution definitely seems to be very much emotionally aware. I feel like they they kind of know what they're doing in um, in Europe as far as post-secondary education, as far as just general health for everyone. Oh dear. Give me a second, guys. Weird stuff is going on here. But, um... Let me see. While this is while this is um, happening here, let's talk about the continuing crisis. While I deal with the current crisis, there we go. Female employees in Japan who wear eyeglasses are seeing red after some companies there reportedly banned eyewear for their women workers, according to the BBC. What? While some retailers have said women in glasses give, quote, a cold impression, the, hash the hashtag glasses are forbidden has been trending and Kumiko Nemoto, professor of sociology at Kyoto University of Foreign Studies, spoke out against the outdated policies. Quote, it's all about gender. It's pretty discriminatory. The company values the women's appearance as being feminine and that's the opposite to someone who wears glasses. Japanese women also have also rebelled against policies that require them to wear high heels. I agree. I agree entirely. The, there's a lot of countries that have this backward. It is time to move forward. And you, Kimiko Nemoto, are doing the world a favor. Bright idea. Subhash Yadav, 42, of Jangpur, uh, India. Or Yanpur? Jangpur, I think. I think. Visited a market to uh, eat eggs with a friend, News 18 reported on November 4th, but the two fell into an argument. To solve the dispute, police said Yadav adopted a, a challenge, or sorry, accepted a challenge to eat 50 eggs in, in exchange for 2,000 rupees. He ate 41 eggs, but just as he began to eat the, uh, the 42nd, he collapsed unconscious. He was rushed to the hospital, but died a few hours later. Doctors claim Yadav died of overeating, but family members would not comment. I mean, that's... That's 41 eggs, and I imagine they weren't cooked. It seems like a terrible idea on its face. I'm definitely sorry to hear about what happened, but eh, anyway. Our least competent criminal for this week on October 30th, Hudson, Florida resident Michael Psalakis, 
Yes, Salakis, 21, lost $1,000 in a card game to an unnamed man, which is a witness, uh, which a witness told police upset Salakis, reported the Tampa Bay Times. So many unnamed people. I mean, there's even an unnamed person in the review coming up. And they're the main character. Anyway. Um, when the man was reporting missing, Pala uh, Pasco County Sheriff's deputies started their investigation uh, with Salakis, who told them the victim had dropped him off at his mother's house after the card game. So when the man turned up dead in a burned-out Ford Taurus, police vid visited Salakis's mother. During her interview, Salakis called his mother, according to court documents, and officers recorded the conversation. In it, he told his mom that he had burned his legs throwing gas on the car, and they needed to coordinate their stories, so, he's, so he was coming right over. When he arrived, police found a stolen handgun in his car, along with a cell phone containing internet ser searches for, quote, can you shoot through a seat, and, quote, how to treat burns. Deputies arrested, in, uh, arrested him on weapons charges on November 2nd and later added a first-degree murder, murder, grand theft of a motor vehicle, and resisting arrest. Might be worth mentioning. Um, duck, duck, go? Anyone? Anyway. Just the story of if you're going to do something bad, do it correctly, but don't do something bad. Because you're, it's not going to end up well. Next story. Whoops. The Northern Echo, a newspaper in Northeast England, is catching it from an, a, from an area family after it ran an, obi an obituary on November 10th for Charlie Donaghy, a, a local sports enthusiast and teacher who is not dead yet. In fact, his son, Ian, reports that Charlie is, quote, alive and well, according to Fox News. The Echo published an apology the next day, but Ian posted on Facebook that, quote, you can't unhear or unread that your dad's dead. Northern Echo website, choice words. A statement from the Donaghy family said that the uh, mistake uh, has, quote, caused immeasurable distress and is, quote, unforgivable. Yeah. Uh, being declared dead when you're clearly alive would have worked out for that one guy, didn't work out for this other person. It's a very interesting choice of word that I'm not going to read on the air. Government in action. Residents of a small Canadian island off the coast of Maine are up in arms in demanding that the province of New Brunswick either establish a year-round ferry service or build a bridge to the mainland because their mail keeps getting opened by U.S. Customs. Mail to Campobello Island has to cross the border by a sealed truck into Maine before it reaches the island, which rarely caused problems, reports Fox News, until last year when, when Canada legalized recreational cannabis. Since then, U.S. Customs and Border Protection has been searching for marijuana ordered from Cannabis and B, the only authorized seller of cannabis in the province. Cannabis and B has now stopped shipping packages to the island, but U.S. Customs officials continue to search the mail, and the island's residents are fed up. 
expectations of privacy that the rest of Canada has just has just don't exist on Campo Bello, said Justin Tinger, a, a local engineer. Politicians are said to be open to the idea of the ferry, but there are no plans in place to fund the project. To me, that just seems like uh, a call to the U.S. to get with the times. Join us. Join us. Anyway. Our next story, cold. I mean, all you need to all you need to do right now is go outside. But what's more interesting is a story about cold in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Let's read on. Hot Springs, Arkansas paramedic Lisa Darlene Glaze, 50, was arrested on November 11th after she allegedly cut a 1.7 carat diamond ring off the finger of a dead woman and sold it to a local pawn shop. The patient, Gloria Robinson, had been transported to a medical facility on October 16th, where she later died. When her personal items were returned to her family, they noticed three of her rings were missing, according to arrest documents. KTHV reports two of the rings were found, but investigators say Glaze sold the third ring at Hot Springs Classic Gun and Pawn for $45, and the band had been cut. Robinson's sister retrieved the ring from the pawn shop and had it appraised, revealing that it was worth almost $8,000. Glaze was charged with felony theft and misdemeanor, un uh, and misdemeanor unlawful transfer of stolen property. And she probably won't be working as a paramedic anymore anytime soon. And our final story in the realm of awesome. I really need like some sort of soundboard to be able to, um, you know, put some echo on that. You know, if you donate to CKDU, maybe it'll happen. Probably not, but maybe. For the person on your gift uh, on your gift list this year who can't get enough ranch dressing, Hidden Valley comes to the rescue with a decorative plastic stocking full of its creamy nectar. I don't know that I would call ranch dressing creamy nectar, but uh, to each their own. Fan cited reports that the Hidden Valley Ranch custom holiday stocking measures 105 square inches, festooned in red and green, and filled with 52 ounces of original ranch. It comes with its own mantle holder and has a handy pouring spout at the toe. All that, ran all that ranchy fun costs just $35. Time to get dipping. So you have a choice in the end. Do you want to, to spend $35 on a sock filled with ranch dressing or $32 on gin made of elephant poo? Choice is yours, listeners. Anyway, it is time to take a look at the weather, and it is currently 5 degrees and cloudy here in Halifax. Uh, periods of rain beginning this evening and ending overnight. Fog patches after midnight, amount of 10 to, to 15 millimeters. Uh, wind south, 30 kilometers an hour, gusting to 50, except gusting to 70 apart along parts of the coast this evening. Wind becoming west 20, gusting to 40 near midnight, then northwest 40, gusting to 70, with a low of plus 1 degree. Saturday, November th uh, 23rd, cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries in the morning, clearing late in the afternoon, wind northwest 40 kilometers, gusting to 70, 
temperatures steady near plus one and a UV index of one or low. And at night, clear skies, wind northwest 40 gusting to 70, becoming light late in the evening with a low of minus four and wind chill of minus seven overnight. Sunday, November 24th, a mix of sun and cloud and high of seven going down to a low of plus four and rain at night. Monday, November 25th, cloudy skies and high of plus five going down to a low of plus two and cl cloudy periods at night. Uh, Tuesday, November 26th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 7 going down to a low of 2 and cloudy periods at night. Uh, Wednesday, November 27th, a 6% chance of showers and a high of plus 7 going down to a low of plus 4 and rain at night. And Thursday, November 28th, a high of 4 degrees and some more rain. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Let's get some more music.
That was Millennium Hero with Tokyo Lime Cola from the album Chiptunes and Moon, uh, Moonbeams. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax. And uh, today... I'd like to talk about a game. And um, actually, only one this time, as I'd be doing it a disservice if I included it as part of a three for as I usually do. Um, one second here. Dang it. Okay, here we go. This is a game that I originally saw played by Adam Savidian of Loading Ready Run during uh, one of the group's um, now-retired streams, which is, I believe he was uh, playing it on New Day Tuesday, which was featuring popular new games. He managed to get through what seemed like a fair chunk of it and be allotted three hours for the stream. It seemed like an engaging game, and so when it was the game giveaway on Epic Store just recently, I picked it up. However, I'll tell you right now that if I was able to put down money for this thing, I definitely would have, and I do feel a little bad about getting it for free, even if it was legit. Anyway, The Messenger is a platformer game for Windows, among other platforms, developed by Sabotage Studio, published by Developer Digital, and released on August 30th, 2018, concurrently to the Switch port. Uh, uh, after a secluded ninja village is suddenly attacked by creatures seemingly from the underworld, a man flies in on a phoenix, uh, drive, drives the unholy uh, forces back, uh, and then approaches the player's unnamed character, identifying himself as the Western Hero. I swear, these unnamed people are everywhere, not just in the news, man. Anyway... The hero hands the ninja the scroll he carries, telling him to bring it to the top of the highest mountain. However, the adventure is far from over when they reach that goal. So first, let me point out that I might get a little spoilery. Um, however, I'll be doing my best to limit, uh, to limit this to how much is revealed after the first portion of the game is complete. The fair warning. I'll, I'm not going to go into full detail on things that happen, but you might end up finding out a little more than you would like to. Anyway, that is your warning. So, to start, playing this game is almost like playing an NES game and its Genesis remake, sometimes at the same time. Let's start by explaining the presentation. It'll make a little more sense. As you start, the graphic style is very much reminiscent of the NES. I don't know that I would call it strictly adhering to the art style limitations, sprite, uh, sprite flicker notwithstanding, because seriously, heck that. But it definitely looks the part. Sounds the part too, especially considering that the music was created in uh, Zero CC Famitracker, a programmer crea uh, a program rather created with the purpose of making music and sounds that would effect effectively run on the machine itself. However, at one point in the game, the ninja is sent ahead 500 years into the future. And what console is 500 years ahead of the Nintendo? That's right, the Genesis! I guess. Uh, anyway. So all the graphics uh, are remade 
for the future part with the Genesis in mind, and all of the music and sound are remade in Deathful Mask, the Genesis sound equivalent to Famitracker. Uh, there are probably a lot more liberties taken in this mode, but it still looks pretty 16-bit charming. And now the gameplay. Our ninja friend doesn't start with much, mostly just a sword and a strange technique. There won't be any standard double jumping in, in this game. Instead, when the ninja hits something with any attack as uh, while they're in midair, they will gain an additional jump. This can effectively be repeated forever as long as there's something to hit nearby. Definitely an interesting feature, but it can also start to hurt the thumbs after a little while, especially when trying to get the power seals, which are spe special collectibles stowed away in side rooms all across the land, hidden at the end of sometimes treacherous platforming challenges. Early on into the game, the, min the, the ninja will find a mysterious portal, uh, beyond which they'll find the shopkeeper. This odd hooded character will always give the ninja upgrades that are required to progress, however anything else that might be useful but isn't required will cost time shards, the game's de facto currency. These are pl uh, fairly plentiful in the game and can be found pretty much everywhere, floating in the air, dropped from enemies, and there are also some secret stashes hidden away in various places on the map. However, there is one thing that can interrupt progress in getting time shards, death. Now, this doesn't directly stop anything, but it will summon Quarble, a small impolite creature who flies in to save the ninja in exchange for a share of the time shards coming in. How many exactly? Well, there isn't an exact number. Quarble describes it as taking as many as necessary until the debt is paid or until he gets bored. So that cost might end up being as many as a hundred shards, or it might only be one or two. Alternately, the player can literally just wait him out as Quarble will, uh, Quarble will go away after a minute, or upon running into a boss as he is not overly brave. And don't worry, he will save the ninja from a, from a death by boss at least. After a certain event of the game, however, the ninja gains the ability to use special portals scattered across the world to switch from the so-called NES original to, to the Genesis remake and back. Thing is, the maps are not identical, as there are 500 years between the two periods, uh, though things largely stay as they are, some things do change. Walls collapse, new passages open up, water levels change, and the like. Uh, sometimes the player might need, to find, uh, might need to find one portal in one remote part of the area in order to find a secret room in another remote part. Other times they might have to hit several portals in the same room or series of rooms in order to progress through it. Personally, I always admire this sort of multi-phase level design. It requires a strong sense of spatial awareness just to get through, let alone to actually create a puzzle with that in mind. Another interesting side feature about the game is that the shopkeeper often has stories to tell. There is generally one story for each area, and some of them, uh, some insight can be derived from some of them. Some of them are delivered in kind of a humorous way, but they're all interesting to read. On top of that, some additional more philosophical and unskippable rants uh, can be obtained by checking the quote, forbidden cabinet in the shop or in one case, not touching it. As you're playing it, you'll find out when that is. These tend to be a fair bit deeper, but also definitely worth a read if this is something the player finds interesting. 
conversing. Uh, conversely, if you're um, not into philosophy, then keep in mind once again that these cannot be skipped once they begin, so don't tempt fate. The big draw about this game for me, though, is that it keeps revealing new beauty in unexpected ways. It starts with retro charm, then some different retro charm, some challenging and rewarding puzzles, some delightful stories, and then the final area hits you square in the face. I'm not going to say much about it, rather encouraging all of you out there to discover it for yourselves, but everything about it captivated me right away, including the final story the shopkeeper has to tell. And uh, hopefully anyone who, who has read that story and who understands French will also understand what I'm about to say. Merci Thierry. Merci d'avoir sorti ton fruit et nous avoir tout raconté ton histoire. J'espère un jour d'avoir la, le, la courage et le support de pouvoir faire la même chose. In any case, The Messenger has been such a wonderful game to play. Though I wouldn't call it a particularly short game, I did end up finishing it in a little over a day, so not super long, but not super short either. And I did also play a little bit of the New Game Plus mode, because of course that exists, and of the DLC Picnic Panic, which was also being offered for free from Epic Store. At the end of the day, I'm sure John Guiden would approve of this game. Not sure about Ray Troyd, though. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And it is time for some music.
That was Suami with After Dark, and uh, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And I found a thing. Yes, I found a thing, and I'll share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing, because I'm a brilliant mind, and you can't prove me wrong. Um, so, this is a story about, basically, the first bank robbery, which was of a value of $162,821. What do you think that you should not do with that money after robbing it? Um, maybe, you know, don't go to the same bank and try to deposit it. This is a story uh, from the Emerald Observer from February 21st, 2018, written by... No writer credit. Sorry, I tried. Uh, what not to do after robbing a bank? Put the money right back. One night this week, uh, when the article was written, one night this week back in 1831, two men broke into the Citibank of New York and made off with nearly $250,000. This is not that story. That's because although the 1831 robbery is often cited as America's ever, first ever bank robbery, it, another heist from more than three decades earlier actually holds that title. A bizarre tale um, that ended with a blacksmith oil painting currently hanging in the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. It was 1798 and the blacksmith Patrick Lyon was in Lewiston, Delaware, absorbed by in a newspaper. Uh, the paper relayed a stunning story about a theft of the Bank of Pennsylvania at Carpenters Hall in Philadelphia in the early morning that, uh, hours that netted more than $160,000, an astounding amount, amount equivalent to more than $3 million today. People love to read about bank robberies. Maybe that's why you're reading this now, or maybe that's why I'm reading it to you. Uh, but Lyon had a more uh, personal interest in the case. Lyon's last job before he came to Delaware was in Philadelphia, where he was tasked with replacing fittings and locks on the vault doors of the Bank of, P of Pennsylvania, the one that had just been robbed, according to a Carpenter's Hall history. It appeared to be an inside job, and Lyon immediately had two suspects in mind. Carpenter Samuel Robinson, who did some work for the bank, and another man, an associate of Robinson, whom Lyon didn't, didn't know. What Lyon didn't appreciate at the time was that a blacksmith who worked on the vault doors and who happened to leave Philadelphia shortly thereafter, he was also looking pretty good as a suspect himself. After an old acquaintance caught up with Lyon and suggested he was a suspect in this brazen theft, Lyon did what he thought was the right thing and returned to Philadelphia to clear his name. For his trouble, he was thrown in prison. Um... Ba bank officials suspected Lyon had simply made an extra key to the vault while he was working at it. For three months, Lyon was, was held in Philadelphia's Walnut Street prison. The one key thing Lyon had going for him, however, was the idiocy of the actual thief, who turned out to be the stranger Lyon had suspected all along and was since identified as Isaac Davis. The latter had enlisted an accomplice to assist him with the theft. The pair had apparently pulled the perfect heist of history, says... Then in a move that will live uh, that will live in the annals of stupidity, 
Davis began depositing the missing money in the very bank he had robbed and other Philadelphia banks casting suspicion upon himself. The man apparently had no plan to it, uh, for what to do with the cash after the heist and hadn't even come up with a cover story for all of his incredible newfound wealth. The man apparently had no... Uh, no I just said that, sorry. Confronted with questions about his sudden wealth, David, uh, Davis gave a full confession and made a deal to return all the money, the history says. Somehow, David was given a, uh, Davis was given a pardon and full restitution and never had to serve a day in prison. But that's where Lyon was still stuck, even after Davis's plot had been unraveled. In fact, he was kept in prison for weeks until uh, eventually the charges were dismissed. Uh, there's a little more to this story, but that's basically the bulk of it. Seriously. You suddenly get $160,000, the exact amount that was stolen from this bank. What do you do? Deposit it. That's not the smartest thing. Anyway, that is it for that story. I hope you enjoyed it, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that song was Moon Base by Evan King from his album 20XDX. And that will do it for this month, for, for this month, not for this month, but for this week. Uh, yes, it is the end of the episode. I do hope that you enjoyed listening. I, I enjoyed presenting it to you. And quick shout out before I go to Desert Bus, uh, who had their event their yearly event at the beginning of this month and have raised $865,015 this year alone, over $6 million throughout their uh, 13-year run so far for Child's Play Charity. So big congrats to them. I love the event and I do hope to be able to catch it next year. And I encourage all of you to catch it next year as well. Anyway, that will do it. So it's time for credits, and um, I don't have my notes, so hopefully you can recite it. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast from Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Nimiki, Noriki Kamikura, um, Pink Projects, Nifless. Twilight of Defect and Commissar. Stay tuned for the astrology show coming up next on CKDU, followed by the Witching Hour at 7 p.m. and press start to continue at 8:30. Comments, questions, want your chip tunes featured on the show? Uh, email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim s y m. You can also call the CKDU feedback at 902-494-8041. Uh, there's also the um, there's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim, S-Y-M, or uh, search for Square Wave Symphony. Square Wave is one word. On Google uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, or generally wherever you find your podcasts. Almost everywhere. Anyway, this has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know. I'll see you guys next time. Welcome to the 